Friends, as John mentions in his prayer and, and in our lead to prayer, as a reminder always of the, the prayer list that we have, and in the bulletin we'll share with you needs of, of those or names of those who have been in the hospital. And sometimes after the bulletin's been printed, we become uh, aware of some other ones. I want to add to your prayers this morning. I ask you to be in prayer. Um, Donna Lyman uh, is, in, is in the hospital. She fell and broke her hip uh, this week, so we want to be in prayer for Donna. Um, Hildy was telling me that Carolyn Trumbacco is in the hospital, back in the hospital, and, and Manatee. So keep Carolyn in, in our prayers as she has um, been continuing to recover from her recent transplant and has been doing so well, and we're going to continue to trust God in that and in her healing. So we lift her up. And then also, if I could add, uh, my father-in-law, Tony's dad, Wayne Butterfield. Uh, Wayne had a, a very significant uh, scare this week and gave us all a scare and is in the hospital and is doing, doing well, but is going to be in for a few more days. So if we'd lift him up. So if I could just kind of add those two. And then a praise report, Bob. It's good to see you back. I didn't catch you on the way in, but it's good to have Bob Crew back with us today. So uh, and we celebrate that. And also as a way of celebration, just a word of thanks uh, to Gail Abbas and all of you that were part of the team for Trunk or Treat, that volunteered and served. Thank you. Um, I, w- I had to... Um, kind of scoot out early because as we're doing celebrations, um, Jason and Victoria right there last Sunday evening, they got married. So we congratulate them. And uh, so we celebrate them. So I, I had to go to that. So Gail and the team of volunteers led Trunk or Treat. And thank you to everybody who served who worked before and after to make that come together, those of you that donated candy, especially those of you that came out, or in addition, those of you that came out and, and handed out the candy, and those of you who brought their kids, just everybody who was a part of it, thank you. I've heard nothing but wonderful things, so Gail, thank you again, and, uh, and uh, all of you who were part of that. So we just got a lot of neat stuff happening, and um, just a lot of neat stuff that will continue to happen. We're in a wonderfully busy um, season for us, and, and so much going on, and I think that the breadth of that, um, of, of the ministry and the things that are happening really um, kind of speak in, and, are, and are a good lead-in for this second, ser- second sermon in, in our series called All In. If you hear last week, I, I introduced this, this series as, as really an opportunity for us to hear both the the opportunity that God speaks in our life, the truth that God speaks in our lives, as well as the expectation of that, the responsibility of that. And so for these four weeks in this series, All In, which, which comes from that, that word I used to hear from coaches growing up, are you all in? Are you, are you fully invested in what this opportunity and this responsibility and what, what this means, whatever that may be in that moment? And so I think it's what God speaks in us. So last week we talked about the fact that you're invited, everybody, regardless of your story, regardless of your past, regardless of the, the circumstances behind you, everybody's invited. Everybody's invited into that relationship and that connection with Jesus Christ. And, and in the, the weeks to come, the next couple of weeks, we'll talk about being a person of, of influence and, and being a person who's invested. But today really is, is a good uh, kind of next step from invitation. And that is recognizing this truth that God speaks in each of our lives. It says this, you're invaluable. You're invaluable, not unvaluable, 
invaluable. You are a, a person of worth. You are indispensable. You are irreplaceable. You matter. And, and I think this is one of the harder messages a lot of us have hearing. A lot of us have believing because some of our stories are filled with voices that have told us just the opposite. Some of our stories are filled with relationships or experiences that, that have somehow undermined our sense of worth, our sense of value, our sense of, of, of uh, importance. But, but God's word speaks just the opposite. And so I think while it's one of the hardest things for us to sometimes internalize, it's one of the most um, important things for us to, to really open our hearts to. Because we, just, we have this tendency, and it happens in the church all the time, to, to diminish our, our worth. And we do it to ourselves sometimes. I, I, will, I will have people come to me and, and say, oh, you know, I'm, don't, don't ask me to pray. I don't pray as well as he or she does. I don't, I don't do it as well. Or, or I've had people come, and maybe you've said this to me, and, and please don't, don't hear this. This is not criticism. This is not, I understand this. People will come to me sometimes and say, well, I'm, I'm uncomfortable going to this Bible study or this small group because I, I don't know the Bible or I, I don't have that same kind of knowledge or, or haven't been a Christian very long. And, and hear me say this respectfully. If that's true, then there's no better place for you to be. <laughs> that's really great for you to go and, and to begin learning. There's nothing to be less, to feel lesser than because of that. But, but we do that. We internalize that. I I'm not as worthy as. I'm not as good as. I'm not as, as um, uh, spiritual as. This is the kind of language that, that seeps in. And guess what? I do it too. I do it too. And in 2012, I will never forget the feeling I had when, when I started on, on the edu- that, that part of my educational journey. And I was um, up for the first time. I was up at Asbury uh, Theological Seminary in Wilmore, Kentucky. And I met for the first time this group of, of men and women, 10 of us, that were going to be on this journey together, cohort. And for the next five years, we were on this journey together. And I'll never forget the first time we sat together. We sat in a circle, in a small group, in, in a prayer chapel. And we were sharing. And, and each one of these, these pastors and leaders were, were sharing their story and, and, and their faith and, and their experiences and they're quoting scripture. And, and I'm just sitting there and I'm listening to these people. And I'm like, I don't belong here. I, I was like, they're quoting scripture. I don't even know that I even remember. Uh, you know, they're, they're, they're doing things and, and they just seemed so, it was so overwhelming to think that I was kind of in this circle and I didn't feel like I should have been. I didn't feel like I fit. I didn't feel like I was as good as they were. And so I say this to you as a way of saying it's not, it's not foreign to any of us to have these kind of moments. But, but God's word speaks a different truth to us. God's word says to us quite the opposite, that each of us and all of us are valuable and important and we matter. And Paul speaks that to the early church in Corinth and, and God speaks that to us. So let's turn to the scripture. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 12 through 20. For some of you, very, very familiar metaphor Jesus gives us for, for what this Um, community of faith looks like. And this is what Paul says to the church, is what God says to us. He says, just as a body, though one, has many parts, 
but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit, so as to form one body. Whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, we were all given the one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. Now, if the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not, for that reason, stop being part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not, for that reason, stop being part of the body. If the whole body were an ear or an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the the parts in the body, every one of them, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. Brothers and sisters, this is the word of God for the people of God. And let us pray. Lord, help us to hear. Help us to hear. And to, to really allow your truth to, to sink in, to, to speak to us. And draw us deeper in faith, but, but really in an understanding of who we are. This is our prayer. We ask it in Christ Jesus. Amen. Amen. So, Paul focuses us into a, a group mentality. I'm going to start with that. He focuses us into a group mentality. Now, we understand that um, we, we can define in, in the animal kingdom. We'll go back to, to your, your learnings in science class as, as a kid or, or some of your studies, that, that animals often take a, an identity in a group. So, for instance, uh, you, you may see a lion, but when you put a bunch of lions together, they're known as a what? A pride, right? The, uh, lions are together are known as a pride. I thought it would be fun to give you a little bit of a quiz this morning. Let's do a little pop quiz, see how well you remember this. So, lions are prides. Uh, a group of elephants are a... Herd, right? A herd of elephants. Those are the easy ones, okay? Cheetahs. Do you know what you call a group of cheetahs? Yeah, I know the jokes are coming. I can hear. Uh, called a coalition. Coalition of cheetahs. How about a group of uh, donkeys? Be very careful with this one. Very careful. Do you know what you call a group of donkeys? Somebody in the, the first service said um, Congress. Um, I didn't say it. They said it. Uh, a group of donkeys is called a pace. A group, now, somebody came up to me after the first service, and they said, well, you know what you call a group of, of baboons? And I said, no, and they said a Congress. That's actually not true. I looked it up because they're called a troop. But I think there's an urban legend there. But, but a group of donkeys are called a pace. A group of crows? Murder, right? You know. How about a, a, a group of vultures? A group of vultures called a committee. <laughs> there's a lot of jokes there. We're going to let And then I'll quit with this one. There's, we could do this all day. My favorite, though, and I've talked about this, is a group of, of rhinos. You know what you call a group of rhinos? They're called a crash group of rhinos. You know why? Because a rhino can run up to 30 miles an hour in its tonnage, but it can only see 30 feet in front of it. That means whatever's at 31 feet better get out of the way. 
right? So, so they're, called, they're called a crash. But, but the idea is we understand that, that in the animal kingdom, and there's, like I said, we could, we could go on all day having fun with this, but, but animals have an identity in their groups. They have functions in their groups for protection, for, for provision, uh, for um, rearing of, of young. I mean, there's, there's a number of dynamics at work within a pride or within a, a crash or a murder or whatever um, group of, of animals that we talk about. Well, what's true there also becomes true for us. When, when we, get, you know, we receive an invitation to faith in Christ, there, there's a call that God places upon all of our lives. We hear that invitation like Peter, James, and John did on the shore, or Andrew and, and Nathaniel and, and Matthew. But in some way, God speaks an invitation to us, to all of us, and we talked about last week, to come and follow me, to, to be in the relationship, in an intimate, personal relationship with me through faith. And when we do, we take on this title of, of Christian. We take on the title of disciple. We take on the deci- title of follower of Christ. But that's our individual title. But together, we become known as church. Church not as a facility, not as a place, not as a location, but as a a group of followers in journey together, a group of disciples, ecclesia, a, a gathering. And Paul uses a metaphor for our gathering, for our group, for our identity. And he'd say not just church, but he says you are the body of Christ. You are the body. And, and so you become the hands and the feet of Jesus. You become the heart and the mouth of Jesus. And, and so what Paul wants to say to the church, what God wants to say to us is we have to eliminate this, this hierarchy that we create. And, and we do. Last week I said that, that one of the powerful truths about the foot of the cross is that the field is level. The ground is level. There's no um, ranking of importance in light of God's grace. There are not some that are more deserving than others. We are all invited into the relationship. And in the church, that truth continues to be evident or needs to continue to be evident. There's not a ranking of those who are more important than others. Now, there's a ranking of those who are more visible than others. There's no doubt about that. Some are seen more. No, obviously, I stand before you every week. I have high visibility, but visibility doesn't equal significance. Not to say that what I do isn't significant, but it is no more significant than what God calls any of you to do. We are called to be one body. And so Paul wants to undermine this notion that is starting to rise up in the church. And remember, he's writing to to a church in Corinth that is really struggling. Church in Corinth is one of my favorites because they're just a dysfunctional mess sometimes. And that gives me hope. And, um, you know, they're struggling with what it means to be church. And, and this new community, because this community looks different than, than any community they've, they've seen before. And all of a sudden, and, and he talks about this, Jews and Gentiles are mixed in a community. Slave and free are mixed in a community. Men and women are mixed in a community, and all are important, and all are valuable. And if I can go on a side note, John MacArthur, they don't need women to go home. You don't need to go home. You have a role, and it's important. And it's important for all of us to know that God has called us into one community in Christ. And the church needs to get, because they don't get it yet, 
They don't get it yet. So they're, they're struggling with this, and, and they're starting to struggle with, well, what gifts are most important? We need to kind of rank them, create a hierarchy. And, and Paul goes on to write that that's not what it looks like in Christ. All the gifts, all the parts, all the members are really important. So he says to the church, you all are important. Every one of you, whatever your gift is. And he uses the element, he says, the hands and the feet. You know, the hand can't say to the foot, I don't need you. Or, or my favorite is the eye and the ear. And because we know both of those are important, vision and, and hearing, but even in our society, we, we romanticize the eye, right? We, the, the eye is the, the uh, window to the soul, right? We, we talk about, you know, we never say, I looked lovingly into her ear. You know? <laughs> that, that's kind of weird. Um, yeah, when you sit down to talk to somebody, you don't have an ear-to-ear conversation, even though that would make more sense. You have an eye-to-eye conversation, or uh, the, the, the hills have ears. That's not the way that goes. You're not the apple of my ear. You know, we could go on all day of, you know, stars. We kind of romanticize one over the other, and, and we do this in, in so many ways, but, but Paul says, not, not in the church. All are, are valuable. None, none are lesser than. The roles are different. The visibility is different. But don't ever mistake the visibility for impact. Don't ever think that because your calling or your um, giftedness or, or your unique talents aren't seen by as many people that somehow it's less than. Because that's exactly what Paul wants to say is not true. It's not true. And in fact, he goes on to say, I didn't read verse 22, but he says, very often it's the, the lesser seen parts that are the most valuable. I mean, they're really, really important. And that's true in our body. There are things that we don't think about that, that don't get the attention, but are really, really important. I, was, I read this, and I was thinking about our fingers. You know, think, think about the, the fingers on, on your right or your left hand. And I said to you, and as silly as it sounds, I said, well, rank, rank the importance of the fingers. What are the most important? Well, we'd probably start with the thumb. Opposable thumbs are really important, kind of set us apart. And we might say, well, the, the pointer is really important because it gives direction and it's kind of that first finger there, so that's important. And, well, the middle finger, eh, we'll probably skip that one. Um, and then there's the ring finger, which by its very title, it's the ring finger. We, we decorate it. It's, you know, when, when Jason and Victoria got married last week, they placed their rings on that finger, each for the other. So all these important. And then you kind of come to the pinky. And eh, pinky's there, right? Okay. It, it's, you know, if it was on the toe, it'd, it'd be the, um, you know, the one that goes all the way home. You know, it's just kind of there, <laughs> right? So, but, but here's something I didn't know. That your grip strength... 50% of your grip strength comes from your pinky. If you take the pinky out, you lose 50% of your grip strength. I started grabbing things with my pinky tucked in just to kind of see how, if that felt right. And you don't realize how significant that is. I mean, just kind of do that for fun. You know, pull the pinky in and start grabbing some stuff. And, and you realize that without the pinky, it has a huge impact even though it's probably the one that we think the least of. And you know, we could do this all day. You know, you know what they call that little part of tissue in the back of your throat? You know what that's called? The uvula, yeah. And it's, it's, you know, it's nothing pretty. Nobody would say, if I'd said to you, hey, what part of the body would you like to be? No one's going to say, hey, I'd love to be the uvula right back here. <laughs> but you know what it does? I didn't, it keeps food from coming back up into your nasal passage when you eat. That's kind of big. Um, 
it, uh, it produces saliva that keeps your, your throat lubricated. Somewhere else I read that in the course of your lifetime, the, the uvula will produce up to two swimming pools full of saliva. And that kind of gross, I know. But, uh, but it does. And it, 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 it's a part of your speech. It impacts your speech. It's really important, even though you don't see it, nor do you necessarily want to. And, and you know, we could do this. On. You, you get the point. What, what Paul wants to say is just because something isn't as visible or hasn't been as celebrated, it is no, no less important. And the truth is that for all of us, and, and, and let me just speak for those of us that get to be seen every week, for me or, or for John or, or KJ or Sam or Tony or, or Brad, um, you, you know, um, Greg, I was blanking on the drummer. He's going to be a joke later. I just went, you know, all of us up here. Sorry, Greg. Um, oh, Christy. Christy, too. See, I shouldn't do this. I forget somebody every time. My, my point is that for all of us, there are people that are part of our stories. There are people that have poured into our lives. There are people that, that maybe only we know about. You know, for, for my journey in my life, there, there's, besides my parents, there's Sunday school teachers who were there every week to teach me and to show me what the love of Jesus looked like. You know, when I was in, um, coming up as a, a sixth grader, I was in, before we moved to the church that my dad served for so many years, we were at a smaller church in Jacksonville. And our, our young adult group, we weren't even young adults, middle school group, uh, we had two Sunday school teachers and we had two students, me and Stacy. But I will tell you, every week Michelle and Debbie were there. Every week, we spent time up there in that Sunday school room, and, and they would take us horseback riding, and they would take us, and, and we, we learned what the love of Jesus looked like. Now, Michelle and Debbie's stories may never be told other than these moments, but they're no less important or significant. Over and over, I could tell you about the, the chaplain at Florida Southern who called me up at the end of my, my second year of college and said, hey, Chris, I've got a job for you as a youth pastor at a church in Newport Ritchie. And I went, thanks, Matt. I wasn't looking for a job as a youth director. And he's like, you are now. And because and he saw something in me. He saw something in the giftedness that, that felt I needed. He saw something before I did. And, and my point is that all of us have these parts to play. Every gift you bring, you all bring something. Every one of you brings something unique to the body. Each one of you has a gift that nobody else here possesses, not in the same way you do. And you have an opportunity to make an impact. And, and what we need to hear God say is that gift, whatever it is, it matters. It is really important. It's significant. It's God-given. And don't let anybody diminish it. Don't buy into the lie that somehow it's less significant and less important because maybe it's not as visible or maybe we haven't historically celebrated it the same way. Paul says, if all the body were one part, there'd be no body. But every part's essential. Every part's important. You, you have a difference to make. And the truth is, when you do, we're stronger. When you do, the body is operating at full strength. The body can compensate for missing parts. We know this. The body is re remarkably resourceful. But it can't completely replace them. Can't completely replace them. So it is with our body. When, when, when we're not invested, when all the gifts aren't, aren't invested, and we'll talk about that, but, but when, when you're not 
stepping into what God's called you to do and the difference God's called you to make, we're, we're lesser than. We're weakened. We can compensate, but we are not going to be complete. And so part of the, 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 the word to hear that you're invaluable is the challenge to take those things that make you so valuable and to use them. To use them. To be involved and, and to recognize the divine moments that, that God gives you to, to make a difference. And don't diminish that. Go back to invitation. Don't think because of. doesn't matter what your story has been. God redeems our stories. God, God redeems our stories and uses them. And some of the most impactful people I've ever known for the kingdom of God are people who come from really broken stories that God put back together and, and use them to not only, not only to heal and, and redeem their story, but to then to bless and impact the stories of others. Your story matters. Your voice matters. Your generosity matters. Your investment matters. Your prayers matter. Your presence matters. Step into it. Step, step into that moment and, and that opportunity and that, that giftedness God has given you. Because when you do, we're complete. We're complete in who God's called us to be. And we get to live as the body. We get to be the body of Christ and people get to see the hands and feet. When, when we reach and we go to somebody to serve them, we become the feet of Jesus. When we reach out to take care of somebody in need, we become the hands of Jesus. When we speak words of love and compassion and grace, we become the voice of Jesus. And when we care about others, we become the heart of Jesus. And that makes an impact. The world sees that. Two weeks ago, sat in our, well, actually probably more than two weeks ago, we sat in our, our leadership meeting. I'm coming back to a conversation I had with Gail again. And we were talking about the, the um, Christmas outreach that is going to be kind of our next big thing. If you were here last year, you remember that we adopted kids as a church. We adopted kids from either Blackburn or um, Palmview. Uh, elementary schools, and we bought Christmas gifts and delivered them, and it was just, so many of you just loved that, and we're, and we're going to do that again. And um, so Gail and I were talking, and, and um, in the course of that, we realized we needed to make a connection, you know, kind of touch base with the schools. So I told Gail, I said, Gail, I'll, I'll send emails out to the schools, give it a week or so, and I'll send out to make sure, you know, to get the details. And um, here's the coolest thing, coolest thing. I never sent those emails, because before I had a chance to send those emails, those schools were calling us. And we're saying, hey, basically, are you in? Are you in? We, we can use you. But, but here's the thing. They, they called us. Why? Because they know. Because they know that we care about what they're doing. We care about those kids. We care about the opportunity we have. We have a reputation, and I love that reputation. And that's what the body of Christ looks like. We, we want to have a reputation in so many ways. So you help us be who God's called us to be. You and I together to be the body of Christ. Hear that you're invited, but hear that second truth of your identity. You're invaluable. You're necessary. You're important. You, you matter. Hear that. Claim that. And together, let us step in to the call Christ has for us. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, we... We need to embrace that truth. Help us to embrace that truth. To, to, 
to overcome voices that may have told us otherwise. Lord, too many times we've, we've had those voices speak into our lives that we don't matter, that, that we're not important. But, but Lord, that's not your voice. That's not your truth. Help us to claim your truth for us, that, that with the invitation is, is this recognition that you value us, that you seek us out because we matter. And because you've gifted us in ways that make a difference. Help us to grab and seize that giftedness, seize those opportunities, so that together we can be the body of Christ. We can be the hands and the feet and the heart and the voice of Jesus. And to, to make a reputation as a reflection of your goodness and grace. This is our prayer. We pray it in Christ Jesus. And let the people of God say, Amen. Amen. <laughs> And in line with that, friends, that, that truth of God and that invaluable word that God speaks, remember this, as we prepare for communion, that um, this, at this table of, of friendship, at this meal of remembrance, but, but most importantly at the table of grace, the most important thing I can say, the most powerful truth I can say is that God has a place for you. Christ has made a place for you at this table. And recognize that speaks to how much you matter. So, today we remember that on the night that he gave himself up for us, Jesus um, took bread and he gave thanks to God and he broke it. And he said, this is my body. It is broken for you. Every time you do this, do it in remembrance of me. And then Jesus took the cup and he gave thanks to God and he gave it to them and said, this is my blood of a new covenant. Pour it out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Every time you drink it, do it in remembrance of me. And so let us remember what Christ has done for us and who Christ has claimed and spoken into our lives the truth of who we are. Friends, let's pray. Gracious Lord, bless for us these gifts of bread and juice. That they would remind us that we, as a people, are redeemed by your blood. But part of that redemption, part of your salvation story, is that you've called us to be your body. That we are to be the hands and feet of Jesus. The, the voice in the heart of Jesus. And help us to embrace that call. To know that there are often moments we fail to live up to that. But you don't abandon or give up on us. You call us to another step of faithfulness. You redeem us and you forgive us. And you make the path before us to walk in faith and obedience. So Lord, help us to, to do that. And to do it faithfully until the day comes we enter your kingdom. Until the day comes that forever we share this meal at your heavenly banquet. But until that time... Quicken our steps, strengthen our resolve, and unite us in love as we grow together in faith and we serve together in obedience. We pray this in the name of Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.